and welcome to the Weekly Scroll Podcast brought to you by the Adventure Archive. My name is Ryan. And I'm Hunter. Just Hunter. And with us today, we you, I'm sorry. So that throws me off more than anything you say is when you actually say your real name. I'm um, you, this is still it's still a reference to, to Hambo. So, you know. Well, there we go. Uh, but anyway, with us, we have Max Lander. How you doing today, Max? Great. Yeah, good. Excited to be here. Mm, wonderful. It's great to have you. Um, uh, so who so who the heck is Max Lander? Like what who uh, are you? what might people Define what yourself. might people know you for? Yeah. Define yourself who? entirely in about two sentences if you could for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh I mean contextual to this. Contextual yeah. to this, the uh I am the designer of Himbos of Myth and Metal, but I also uh teach uh game design and I used to and still occasionally am a photographer and I have a history in in dirty videos uh and i make all kinds of other interactive art and do like vr and ar development in the daytime so all all the things many of them so fun. many things many things a little bit of everything yeah so um gosh where do we even begin i guess let's so we're 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 a, we're a game review podcast um yeah. I guess it, throughout this obviously like very like jam packed life you've had in all these different fields. At what point did you get into game design? Game design is is like I've been a person who plays games for a long time. I think as everybody does, but uh, game design came to me. I want to say like five or six years ago via um, VR and video games. So like RPG design started in the pandemic, but I had already been thinking about game design because I. Uh, photography was boring me a little bit and so I decided to go and uh, get a degree which is I should say these things faster this is a long meandering path through things we don't care I didn't I don't have an undergrad degree and I thought it would be fun to see if I could convince a uni university to let me go to a graduate program without having to do an undergraduate program and they did and so I did a grad degree in effectively games even though my experience was in photography um and there and so i like spent a couple years uh exploring games primarily through vr and like physical mediums um and then the pandemic happened and i was like wait people just make rpgs and i love rpgs i could probably make an rpg i love <laughs> maybe but i love part is the hard part of the of the rpg design <laughs> Uh, but and yeah, then the pandemic this... happened and I was like, I read um, the the book S by J.J. Abrams and some other guy, Doug Dorst or whatever. And it has, it's a, it's a novel that has a bunch of inserts in it and a bunch of, an, a second story takes place in the margins of two characters writing between one, writing to one another. Oh, uh, and I was like, cool. that sounds like a fun pandemic game. So my first RPG was a game that you played in a book that you like mailed or hand off to another person. And then they take their turn writing you messages in another book and it all went wild from there. That's awesome. Yeah, that's really uh, awesome. I love I very much love like a lot of those non-traditional, like especially like male focused games that were uh, that were cropped up during like lockdown, the pandemic. Like, I think that they're really cool and like a fun, like uh, like different kind of game creative uh, activity. Um, but yeah, very cool. So I have a question. What what the hell is uh, Himbos? Tell us about Himbos of Myth and Metal. 
Um, Himbos of Myth and Metal is my my the, the game that I made the title of so I wouldn't get sued. Um, it was originally, this was a game idea that came up uh, a couple years ago, and I was going to do Himbos of Might and Magic, but for sure was going to get sued if I called it that. Right, um, And so I was like, what other M words kind of mean the same thing? Um, but it's my like kind of, I call it OSR adjacent because it's like OSR design informed without like holding on to, without actually really being invested in or caring about where that line is. Like, I don't care <laughs> about where that line is. I just, it's yes. more of a like... These are the those are the games that kind of influenced my design um, of it, but it's meant to be like super flamboyant and very queer and very comedic, um, and kind of invert that thing that moment when we're all playing fantasy games where people are like, "How can I outsmart this problem?" Which I always had this like, like that's kind of held up a lot of moments in gaming for me. It was like, "How do I outsmart this problem?" And I was like, "What if you didn't have that option? What if you were just like, <laughs> no." head empty no thoughts i don't know if there's a tra there's a very complex puzzle in front of me what happens um, yeah, i break and it and keep going it yeah it's you know there's two of my favorite parts in this book are the stats the fact that there literally is like you specifically say in here there are no brain stats like literally used at all but also i mean i i love this like library card statue thing in the back but the fact that your stats are literally like, it's like breasts, lips, thighs, and hands, right? Like all the best parts. Um, and then like one of the biggest problems that Himbo can face is literally heroes. It's like, don't be one. You don't have to be one. If you get too many stars, like scars, it's like, oh no, you're probably a hero now because you've been doing too many heroic things. Like, and there's even people that might have been heroes before that are just like, but that's my past life where I used to break knees and stuff. Now I just am big and pretty and it's awesome. Like, I love the, like, dive into just, I don't know how to say it, like, I guess just being like big and dumb and fun and just like, like being a big, nice, awesome person just seems like such a fun game as opposed to, you know, the hero fantasy games. Edgelord hero. <laughs> yeah. I do like to design away from the edgelord hero. Aaron has pointed out and reminded me. So the stats come from sex dice that we all had when we were teenagers, you know, <laughs> because there was this Reddit post. This is a, there was a Reddit post about somebody who had played their first D&D game. And the thing that everybody did with this DM who often like introduced people to RPGs was contribute to their dice bag. So they had this dice bag that was just huge and only made of dice that players had kind of like tipped them with after a mm. session or whatever. Um, and this new player didn't have any dice and except for the sex dice. And so through the sex dice in the big bag and then heard later of somebody of the GM like pulling dice out and ended up and rolling this like oh i rolled d6 plus breast and i saw the phrase d6 plus breast and my brain was like it has to be me i have to make this this is my game <laughs> this is my legacy um which comes from like the background of dirty videos like I, I was a erotic photographer for a long time so i've always kind of been like sexuality adjacent uh and so when it popped up that's why i was like oh this is like exactly the cross section of all my jams i gotta do it and then it became this like semi heartfelt comedic bonehead game. semi semi heartfelt like heart is like one of the most important things it is like the most important thing in the game really yeah yeah yeah, mm. oh, yeah that's uh that's thighs, pretty, but... pretty great yeah <laughs> so is there like he, he, we've had some discussion um 
on the show and like kind of in the, the TTRPG space about like a genre emulation, you know, was there like something or like a like movie or franchise or story that like really sparks like very himbo for you or like. I spent a lot of my time writing himbos rewatching Xena. Hell yeah. Xena is the, if I, had, <laughs> I know yeah. that like people were probably expecting me to go to like a big dumb dude thing. Um, but for me, like I spent most of my upbringing watching Xena. I have matching, Z I have a matching Xena tattoo with a group of like five people. We were all just like, we're getting a Xena tattoo. Um, and it is the perfect, I was like, if there is a vibe that I want to hit, it is this. Cause there's always that. Cause also like, when you talk about the internal struggle of becoming a hero, I'm like, that's Xena's story, right? She like always wants to not be the hero because it means she has to do things that are like morally difficult for her. And what she really wants to do is help people. Uh, in, I'm getting too serious about Xena, but like that no, is the trajectory of the Zena show. So right? There's, there's yeah. so little judgment here on that. Yeah. Go off. It's, it's, uh, yeah, and so I like, I bought all of the seasons on YouTube and just would like sit writing the game with Xena in the background. But oh, I mean, yeah. with Xena for, I mean, for, I, I was, I mean, I love Xena, but Callisto always had my heart, but, um, uh, you also get like Ares and Hercules and people that honestly, yeah. I think are literally just himbos, like realistically in the show. I feel like in in my young gay life, I was really obsessed with Gabrielle. That was like the like Xena was like, I'm going to be buds with Xena or whatever. But uh, Gabrielle was the like, oh, I'm 12 years old and I have a crush on a TV show character. Right. Um, and I feel like Gabrielle is the perfect himbo. Like that's she is the one that always has the like, nope, we can't we can't compromise our morals. Like we have to be helpful. We have to believe in like certain things. We have to have values that like guide our actions. And uh, but then also is just kind of like often walking into traps because she has too much faith in everybody. <laughs> um, yeah. So I feel like a lot of it for me was probably like while watching Xena, it was often Gabrielle. Um, and. Yeah. But there That's is funny. Some, I mean, who doesn't love Aries? Now now I'm an adult and I'm like, obviously Aries, but I really was thinking after you started saying Zena, I was like, oh yeah, Hercules too. That's a really that's another yeah. really like prime himbo. You know? Yeah. Um Hercules, yeah. Hercules via the Disney series, though, because Kevin Sorbo is not a person that I ever want to engage with the well, media yeah, anymore. Yeah, 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 but like listen, fuck, person. Fuck, fuck Kevin Sorbo. Yeah, you know? fuck that guy. Yeah, but yeah fuck that Disney guy pretty hard. Hercules. Yeah. Disney Hercules. Aw, he ruined Hercules for us by being a dick. Hey, yeah, it's 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 one of those things where you try to separate the art from the artist, and then they're just a, a trash person. And if you like them, uh, fuck off. Don't listen to our podcast. Um, yeah, but yeah. um, uh, someone that you've mentioned multiple times now, and someone who is just in the chat is Aaron Motherfucking King, um, who Aaron we've had on the show King. before. Um, friend how of did the show. Friend of the show. Aaron friend of the show, Aaron. King. Motherfucking. Yeah. Um, uh, how did you um, become friends with Aaron? Like, have you known them for a long time or? I have not known Aaron for a long time. Um, I mean, I guess it's been a couple years now uh, because what is time in the pandemic? But I met Aaron through the Brain Trust Discord. Um, oh, really? Yeah. And we just like messaged. We I think there was just a couple moments and a couple messages where we were like, oh, I think we have similar thoughts about stuff. Um, and I actually think, I think the first, I might be wrong, Aaron might call me on this, but I think the first private message between the two of us was Aaron being like, hey, there's this cool zine publisher that also publishes 
like 18 plus work and it can be like photographic or whatever. And I know that some, that's a thing you do. So maybe you should check them out. Um, and that was the moment where I was like, oh, cool RPG things, but also like queer sexuality, politics, DIY art stuff things. And so we kind of, that was the moment where I was like, oh, I think we have a lot of like similar interests and worldviews outside of just this RPG connection that has been made through the brain trust. Um, and I was like, yeah, that's when, that's when I was like, oh, hard eyes. Great. Besties forever. I guess we're getting married. Hell yeah. There you go. Um, and at what point is. Yeah. And then at what point did read the fucking manual come about? That was last winter, last winter. Uh, we, I don't even know how we started doing it. I think we, I think there were just a lot of conversations. Maybe Aaron remembers, has a better memory for these things than I do, but uh, there was a lot of, uh, there was a lot of like, I would like an excuse to read the books that I buy. Um, and also, yeah, like, yeah, I'm sure you know nothing Literally about the that. The whole reason that uh, I'm doing this right now. Yeah. And, uh, and also like, we're both big book nerds and it was like, let's maybe read them like actual books. Like, let's just have a little book club. Uh, and everybody, I mean, again, pandemic, everybody started a podcast, right? Uh, so we were like, well, I've always actually wanted to have a podcast because I like to like have discussions about ideas and, and I prefer to do that in a conversational way than in like a written way. Um, and I feel like sometimes podcasts are good for that every once in a while. Uh, but then we recorded, I think like December 24th or something last year. Like it was like, cause neither of us really care about Christmas and we were like, let's just do this. And then the recording went a little wild and we didn't release it. And that became the secret, the secret episode zero that doesn't exist anywhere except on cassette tapes. But it's been, it's been over a year now and it's a hoot. So it's a great podcast. I really love listening. I mean, you guys do, I mean, a, a similar thing to like what we do. Like you sit down, you read the book, you're like, you like the parts that you like, you're critical of the parts that you're not. And that's what I really like about, um, uh, what I don't like a lot is not that I don't like, there are a lot of amazing podcasts, or like five, 10 minute videos, but I feel like a lot of them are just like, here's the good stuff. And like, that's how you get. And I really like that. You know, if you guys don't like something, you let us know uh, that you don't <laughs> like it. Um, and I really, really appreciate that. You know, like there's games that um, I'm not I'm not going to play because you guys are just like in a, in a, in a very um, well-informed way. That's the thing. It's not just like, I don't like this specific thing. There's a lot of detail into like, this is why I don't like the way this is done. And these are ways that it could have done better. And I might play it if it was done this way instead. But like... You know, I, I really, really enjoy um, the the depth of insight that you have into the reasons that you like or not like things. And so it's really, really nice to listen to um, those kind of things, especially like, like I said, a little bit longer format where I can actually sit down and get stuff done and listen to it as opposed to like short little videos. So it's a really, really enjoyable listen. If you're listening to our podcast and you haven't listened to read the fucking manual, like you are definitely, definitely missing out. Um, so you should go check that out with Max and, and Aaron. We, we have fun. I feel like we both... I like to think that the way that we engage with them is personal enough that people won't feel dissuaded from like checking a book out if they really want to, you know, like me saying, mm -hmm. you know, I think like kind of famously now is like, I don't really like the quiet. I don't like the experience of playing the quiet year. I think the quiet year is a brilliant game, but like, this is my personal relationship to this kind of gameplay. And like, it doesn't click for me in the ways that, 
in the ways that it does for so many people. And I think that's legit. Some games are just bad. That's not, that's a very good game that I just have a personal dislike of. And some games like GURPS are just, let's never, uh, let's, <laughs> never, let's never do it. Uh, okay, we're pro, I'm pro GURPS slander. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Pro GURPS slander. Yeah. There you yeah. go. Yeah. Again, um, but you know, sure the, the, that's the thing though. It's just like, you can, um, you can be like with, with media in general, just be like, this is awesome. Don't recommend, you know what I mean? Like that's a, that's an okay thing to have. And I wish more people were, um, had, uh, could think that way that like, you don't have to define something by who you are and it doesn't have to define you, whether you like it or not. Like not everything has to be a lifestyle brand. Like there are a lot of games that I absolutely love on this shelf that I will 1000% never touch. Like after I read it, I'm like, this is really well done. I love the way they do this. I love the way they do that. I'm not going to bring it to my table. I don't have the bandwidth for it. And it's just not something I'm going to enjoy doing, you know, completely different than something like himbos. You know what I mean? Where this is, I would and will be playing this like sooner Um, than later. I I really would like, I want to do like a, I want to, I, you know, I say that I said this on the show about a different game, but especially this one, I want to do a fast and the furious himbos, you know? Just a, yeah. just a bunch of dudes doing guy stuff. Yeah, just being like, like, uh, like glistening with sweat and being really big, like family. You know, yeah. we gotta do what's yeah. right with the family. <laughs> I, I have this goal, and maybe this will be the year. I keep saying this that this is gonna be the year that I do it, and I'm hoping to manifest it. But I really want to run an ancient D and D module, like one of the big horrible ones, like Temple of Elemental Evil, <laughs> but in himbos these are the, this is what i want it's just like the ones that are supposed to be brutal and full of horrible puzzles and everybody <laughs> dies and then throw a game where people can't really solve puzzles and they can't die and i'm like this is what i want <laughs> i want to do this what happens please oh my god please do like please do that would be the most yeah, amazing thing amazing you like you just come across like the most difficult little intricate puzzle ever and someone's just like ah smash like and then you just like open the door and keep going like that would be amazing not only that like everything what pops in my head over and over again is like i would watch this cartoon on saturday morning like every fucking week you know what i mean oh you'd be you'd have to have one of those special channels up in the 300s to watch it on saturday morning it sounds like you know (laughs) you could you could make it like sweaty and still pg you know what i mean Kind of, yeah. I guess some people do that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it could also be one of the high channels, and I'd still watch it though. Like yeah. I'll watch oh, the absolutely. version. That's fine. Absolutely. <laughs> we're, we're, we can that. do sure. like a, a critical role esque Kickstarter, make like a billion dollars, and then just do a himbo's cartoon. Mm-hmm. Let's. Oh, see dude, you know I would do. We should do a then an actual play. Let me get in really really good shape. Let me get a little bit buffer and leaner. We'll you I'll know? be shirtless. Yeah, and I'll just get like a Mister, you know, and like so every few seconds I'll just like. Like what they do with The Rock on the set of Actually Fast and the Furious. Um, where he's just like soaking wet the entire time. And you're like, why? <laughs> I almost, crowdfunding is exhausting. And so I didn't end up doing this. But when I did the the sample playthrough, like when I did my little AP, when I was crowdfunding Himbos, one of the people I invited um, is a person who had like never, had only played one RPG in their life. And it was with me like two months before. Um but who was a burlesque performer. And I almost tried, like I almost tried to plan a bit with her so that she would like strip as the game went on. Cause she would have done it and it would have been fine. I was like, well then I wouldn't be able to use it promotional on YouTube. Yeah. But So it might, it might kill it, but it, I really would like to do a thing someday where people play 
this is the, I think maybe I'm just being egotistical, but I think this is the best version of how are we all cosplaying our characters? If you're not playing himbos, why cosplay your characters? I think yeah. I think there's a there's a lot of like fairly raunchy fun to be had, um, kind of in that space. Um, and I definitely I, think I, you have. I love the, that. The, <laughs> I think you have the people that would absolutely do it too, because I mean I'm down, chat's down. You know, yeah, all of chat's in. So all yeah. chat's like, like listen, we're already shirtless. Let's just play a game now, and then I think I think YouTube would let us. Yeah, I have a we'll you see. know Rocky Horror Picture Show cosplay outfit somewhere in here. I've got gold yeah. spandex tights, so uh, you know. <laughs> I hate shirts, and kind of uh, notoriously outside of RPGs in my actual real life, I I am known to say because I've had top surgery, I'm known to say I didn't pay ten thousand dollars to put my chest below a shirt, but <laughs> frequently, and I'm like, but the internet frequently requires me to wear shirts, and I hate them. Uh, so yeah. I'm always already there. I'm always trying to talk myself away from that in order to just engage with the internet again. Uh. So like this is a, a OSR like tangentially related OSR um, adjacent game, right? Uh, do you like interface a lot with the OSR uh, community? Because I'm wondering, like, obviously, like I I don't have this personal knowledge myself, but like as like a queer creator in this community, this community is like very incredibly split down the middle of being like incredibly lgbtq plus friendly and then total fucking nazis um like in like funding himbos did you come across anything that like like any of those people who were just kind of na like naysayers and terrible awful humans i think i'm pretty lucky and that like one i don't again like i don't hugely care about the bounds of like what is osr yeah. and what is not um i think like as like yeah as like design inspiration find them where you can not nazis all all across genre just, you know like anything that's not a nazi sounds great um but uh but yeah i and because i don't care about those things and also because i'm just so angry and gay on the internet i don't think that people like come to like my twitter or my itch and like don't know what they're getting in for um I think there might have been one comment and I don't remember it because there were I think there was some sassy comment about queerness on one of the things that I released and it might have been himbos or it might have been one of the pamphlet adventures and I didn't respond but Aaron did Aaron went in and made a <laughs> fool of somebody who like didn't understand a gay joke or whatever um and I will forever Amazing. appreciate them for that but I feel like I do luck out because I don't like I follow a lot of folks and engage with some folks that are like in the OSR but not because of that because they have like compelling games but also like interesting personalities and interesting politics like i'm not really i'm more interested in your game if you're an interesting person than i do if you even made a really cool game but are a kind of shitty or boring person right like those are the it it those things actually do affect how i read your game and so they will affect whether or not i play your game and how i read the subtext of your game or like the intertextual elements of your game are going to be like impacted by Probably your Twitter. Hate to tell you, RPG people, but probably I'm reading your game through the voice you use for your Twitter. But so. that's incredibly valid. Like your your personality comes out in your game. I, when you write a thing, especially you put a lot of heart into it, like your personality comes out in this. Like, yeah, if you suck, the game might suck a little bit because yeah, you, you're gonna hear their voice in it. Uh, and that's nice to hear. I, I feel like when I when Ryan first asked me um, if I wanted to do this with him, which was like I was very early on in my like TTRPG. Like I'd played Cypher System. I was mostly playing that. Um, like I first was pushing on like, you know, OSR Twitter. 
I was like, holy shit, bro. This is fucking terrible. These people are awful. And now, like, through people we've talked to and people Ryan follows and stuff and, like, me following them, it's gotten – I don't see, like, any – I don't see any hate like that at all anymore. Um, so I think the algorithm is just working. I don't know if things have gotten better overall or if the algorithm is just working, but I'm glad to hear that, you know. Fuck that one person, though, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, and just to weigh in on that a tiny bit, I mean, I, I do think that the OSR is scapegoated a little bit sometimes to just be, like, default. That's where all the bad people are, and I do think there are bad people across, like, everywhere, and we should look out for them everywhere. Um, and I do think that a lot of the, I don't know, movers and shakers in that scene um I rarely see things actually put out by them, and the very few things I've seen by them suck. Um, <laughs> so, you know, if people want to be on 4chan doing all that kind of stuff, you know, the thing about Twitter that I enjoy is that you can craft it, for the most part, to what suits you. Like, if you don't like a Discord, you block or you mute it, or, like, you don't follow that person. And for the most part, I guess you can avoid that. I try not to discourse a lot on our Twitter, but I will read it, you know? Um, so it's, it is what it is. And we talked about this a little bit before stream with just various discourses that always pop up. They're nice to listen to intellectually. If, if the, uh, if the, if the arguments are intellectually honest about what they're saying, um, and you know, it's, it kind of is what it is. I just wanted to, to make a point to say like OSR, ASR, NSR, whatever it is, there can be bad actors everywhere. And I, I don't want to scapegoat the OSR, but also I, I mean, there are maybe shitty I people in Maybe it more too. just the, the yeah. online TTRPG community, like the greater. Oh, the TTRPG family is something I'd avoid a lot more than. Yeah, you know. there we go. Yeah, maybe not OSR. Think maybe like I misspoke. The... I apologize for that. But like the TTRPG <laughs> I yeah, think it's cool. also like a lot of fantasy RPGs, right? Like that history of people being assholes is the legacy of Dungeons and Dragons. It's not like the new OSR. Like they're like I, mean, I feel so like true. everybody I know who's working in OSR stuff are like rad queers, uh, and so like that, and that just might be because every like my my path is through rad queer game designers, and every once in a while we get an OSR person, but it's like who's the who's the weird like who's the queerdo in the group but i feel like part of the reason that i left wanting to really engage with D a lot is because D is and sometimes that's literal nazis but and more often than not it's just really jerky men right like it's yeah. just like here's toxic masculinity the game yeah. genre and i just it's not it doesn't doesn't work for me <laughs> yeah, it's just grognar douches you know what i mean like yeah. i i um fortunately unfortunately I, I don't know i started with fifth edition so it, it was a little bit different and i wasn't friends with a bunch of grognar douches which I guess, thank goodness. Um, so it was nice, but then I actually started a uh, D&D group where I used to live, started a meetup group, had like 300 plus people on it. We were doing like, you know, 20 plus people every weekend for for um, uh, Adventures League. We were having meetings all the time and uh, you run into them. You really, yeah. really do, you know, and the easiest thing to do is to just uh, remove them and not try to... Like one of the things that the, the DM tips that I, I like the least are the ones that say, this is how to deal with a problem player. You know how to deal with a problem player? You don't, you move on. Anyway, one thing that you mentioned um, uh, a little bit ago was crowdfunding and how that kind of sucks. So you got, yes. you recently crowdfunded a project with Aaron, um, low res features, uh, your part of it being hand baskets. Um, yeah. You guys, uh, you did, it was just a two week funding, right? Yeah, it was just a little zine quest thing that we uh, 
Aaron is in the chat talking about low res features failures. Um, the we. Yeah, we wanted, I, it's my fault. I like approached Aaron like three weeks before zine quest and was like, do you want to do a zine quest with me? Um, and they were like, well, I do have a game that's mostly written. And I was like, I have a game that's half written. So maybe we should just do it. And I think probably we could have planned it a little better, but I also don't know that I believe really much about like consistency in crowdfunding. I know that like, if you throw a bunch of money at it, you can make a bunch of money, but that was never going to be the choice we were going to make. Um, and so, cause we don't have a bunch of money to throw at it. So that was, it was never going to be like, oh yeah, we have a marketing budget. It was always going to be, we're making this scrappy little book. I hope you help. Um, cause I think that's, uh, it's our, our jam is kind of, both of us talk a lot about like labor ethics and all of that and so it can it, we get really we get really confused we we talk ourselves in circles and i think sometimes we confuse ourselves and then we're like are we doing it okay we're gonna do it even though we don't really know where we stand about things and that was a lot of our uh a lot of our low res features vibes this year i also think this year is a burnt out year for both of us and we should have maybe emotionally understood that um but the games are good <laughs> Even though we both had an emotionally difficult time engaging with the beast that is crowdfunding this year, um, the games are very good. I like my game a lot. Um, it's it's really weird to make a PV PvP game. This is like it is stretching my design brain in ways that I wasn't anticipating it doing. Um, but I enjoy that exercise. Um, and it yeah it's really that's the that's it's really hard it is very hard to make a pvp game that isn't just like tactical combat all over the place there's the, there's the wrong tactical combat though right but the, but the project did fund you guys you, yeah. you're you're making the game um what yeah. so what's so what was that what was the pitch for low res features i know that there's an interesting thing that uh i i really love and i'm excited to see but what what was uh what was that project yeah, I mean, the pitch was that we both um, we both had games that were kind of sitting in like a cyber pseudo punk 90s kind of vibe and wanted to pair them together. And then that's both the of best us... cyberpunk vibe is the 90s cyberpunk. Yeah, so. yeah, I mean, it's arguably the only one. I don't yeah. think it could be a new thing, uh, but it like. I think it's a different thing if it's a new thing. But it, we both read Cyber Metal by Adam Bass, World Champ Game Co., Cyber Metal 2012. Such a good game. Amazing. Um, Amazing. And both of us read it and we're like, I have to make something. Like it's one of those books that you read. And if you're a designer, it can't not infiltrate um, your brain. And the the combination of the inspiration of this one game and hey, what if we made these like pseudo 90s inspired cyber games and then packaged them together in what's called a tetbesh, which means it's one of those books that you read one way and you flip it and it's a whole other book and you read it the other Sick. way. Um, and uh, and then because I'm a Unity developer by day, I was like, what if we just actually made it a cyber thing and made it like an AR pop-up book? So there's all these like hidden, all this hidden shit once the book is done um, that is, that will add to it, that is totally optional, right? Like it needs to stay optional so that the book remains complete and it's, it doesn't require like a phone to, to get into. Um, but we are also making an AR app that's gonna, I think what we're going to do is we're going to AR like commentate each other's games through the AR app. So kind of like make some weird little hacks and design on each other's games uh through AR. Uh which I think it'll be I think it'll it's be it's gonna be fucking sick. I'm stoked for that. 
sounds fucking amazing like for for what sounds like was a difficult time to get it going like how is it now like now that the project's crowdfunded like and i know it says it's stretching your brain but it sounds like maybe in a good way like do you do both of you feel better about the the path of the project are you excited for how awesome this sounds or yeah yeah i i am excited about where it's gone i've done some play tests now some of those have been like again it's been like a Kind of in opposite to Himbo's, like Himbo's just came out and was what I wanted it to be. It was a very easy design process for me. Um, and this is kind of the opposite, but I feel like that's always the case with creative things that sometimes they're like, you just get taken over and you do a thing. And other times you're like, I'm going to rip this from my body if it kills me. Um, and hand baskets, I think thematically is more the latter um and but it's now for me now at least my game feels like it's in a spot where i'm like oh i can see the final shape of it i am like wrapping up the the rules i can see how it's how it's going to make the kind of play that i want it to um and i think aaron is also very close to being done so i think we're both in the once they're done we get to think about the fun stuff that is like layout and visuals and then the ar stuff so we're very close we're very close to just the fun parts uh-huh. so what when, if you like what if was... you're about to sorry go ahead ryan no go for it go yeah, yeah. What, what if you're like on the verge of starting like an like an ar like revolution on ttrpg and like people like this is like people like oh yeah like through a phone app and like like a book like you can engage on another level with like ttrpg material um it's like the movement from like book to pdf you know I would love it if that were my day job. So a lot of the development that I do is small arts projects. And so whether it's like VR or AR and even occasionally just some like straight Unity game projects. Um, and so they are they do tend to be like small and contained experiences. And it would be rad if that was more aligned with RPG things. Um, I also think uh, video games... I'm going to, I'm going to do a discourse on, on your podcast. No! I'm doing a discourse <laughs> on here. Not um, like we didn't do one I, 10 minutes ago. That's going to get people. <laughs> a lot of XR development comes either from film or from video games, right? The VR and AR space is pr- primarily dominated by video games and film. Um, and I think they are both worse at the things that AR wants to do than RPGs. Uh, and so I feel like there is a lot of room um, once designers get over the fear of the technical. It's not that hard. I've, I've actually offered many times to run public Unity tutorials for TTRPG folks, and I should probably follow through on that because I do. I also teach Unity, so I like it's an easy thing for me to just sit down and help people with. Um, but I feel like because RPGs are about leaving space for your players to insert themselves and to really like do an active game design through play and fill in gaps and like make leaps between things which is kind of what ar wants you to do because it's usually like awkwardly spatial um there's there's like a lot that could be learned from rpg design that i think could transfer into ar and back and forth and i feel like that would be i feel like it's just a cool space like i think about like args are a thing that i think are rad that don't really exist because they're hard and complicated but like for people that don't know that's alternate reality games but like alternate reality games are just role-playing often right it's like yeah go to this website and then call this phone number and get a secret message and then you know like give your login to this other thing and that like and it goes across all these different mediums and they feel really adjacent to rpgs in a way that i think would be 
fucking rad if more yeah i fuck with that heavily um actually i think that is a really interesting area of development and i hope that like i hope that ttrpgs like move into that direction of like that those two like forms of games like interact more i i think you have a really good point there with like yeah uh the limitations of tv film versus like the open space of like an rpg um huh fucking cool so (laughs) you know i think cyberpunk is such a good and something that was talked about earlier which 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 is fun and interesting is the difference between current cyberpunk i guess like there is no really such thing as current cyberpunk because like it's funny that cyberpunk from the 80s maybe early 90s is talking about where we are now like 40 50 years later and it's not where we are so you can't really do modern like i would be curious to see what someone makes in 2020 for what they think like the year you know like 100 years from now what cyberpunk would look like is be such a different genre than like 80s and 90s cyberpunk which is peak cyberpunk um but i love there's a bunch of people that use like qr codes and things like that in their cyberpunk games which i think is like a cool thing to have because you can link to a website that links to stuff but like the ar aspect of it like i definitely it's already happening the future will just be like our attention span is currency and everything we look at will have some type of like hollow or ar thing in our faces at all times like that's where i see it going and having a cyber game where there's actually gonna be ar in the game sounds so fucking awesome like i can't wait to see it would you like if someone did want to do something in the future after this game comes out, would you be like, sure, like the app is here's the thing that that could be used, like go for it. Like, is that something that has come up at all or? Yeah, I mean, I'm not like because I I mean, the app's not anything. It's not that complicated. So there's no like like it would be pretty easy. I actually I haven't thought about it. It would be very easy for me to be like, here is the GitHub. Everybody just go replace the images that are being related. That I probably will do that now because of this conversation because I genuinely don't believe in copyright. Um and Spoken and, like a true programmer right there. True, just, true code monkey right there. It's like, yeah, no, all information's free. It's fine. Well, it's, it's what's up. funny is that it comes for me a lot from photography because I started taking photographs when people when digital was just becoming the thing that was professional level. And mm. every fucking photographer wanted to watermark their image because it was going to save them from theft on the internet. And it's a load of crap. And it's always been a load of crap. And it's just like people are going to steal your image if they want to and prob- and you don't make your you make your money off of people knowing who you are and hiring you to do a job you don't make your money off of selling your images on the internet as a general rule so like whatever and it just like makes your shit look bad which is probably why you're not getting the jobs not other people stealing your photography um but also like I've made much more of a career out of sharing stuff and letting people pay me when they want to than demanding that people pay me a lot and it aligns with my politics of sharing things and making things accessible and like like i have a you know i i have a bunch of rates that i charge for headshots and i always say like this is what i charge and it's but it's a sliding scale for anybody who needs it and nine times out of ten everybody pays me what i charge or more like the and it could be cheaper if you want it doesn't actually make people pay me less and i think there's a perception that it does and so i do tend to be yes now that i do occasionally program things i'm like also just put that all on the internet because i've only learned like i'm self-taught so i've only learned because other people have shared stuff uh in different places but i do feel like 
I would actually love to just be the developer for an RPG app and not do all of the game work as well. Like I, I have a lot of skill sets that I've like acquired over the years and I love doing them for other people's projects so that I don't, because like the creative work is very hard. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it's nice to help other people make their creative stuff happen by doing the part that's kind of easy. Um which is to say, yes, somebody, somebody get at me if you want to make really cool ARGs. Um, I also do volumetric video, which is a very weird technology that not a lot of people know about, but it's like, that is rife for RPG stuff. Hmm, uh, what, what is volumetric video? It's, I mean, it's video, but it's three-dimensional. And so you take like the way that I was, I learned how to do it was you hack old connects. And you, there are software that lets you use old connects. And so you'll get, you can like put multiples up to have a multi, like a full 360 image, but you can also just do it from one direction and it'll do like a scan wow and then put the video texture over the 3D mesh. Um, and so you get like actual live performances that still have dimension dimensionality to them. So they can be in like, a lot of people put them in VR. I think they're kind of cooler in AR actually, because you can like put them in space. Um, I don't like VR. I develop VR. I don't like, I think it's a bad technology. So I still am a developer for it, but I'm not a hype person for it. Yeah, well, come on. It'll be good in like 20 more years. No, it won't. If it didn't, if it didn't make its hype during the pandemic, the time when we were all for, if it didn't thrive and survive, like if that, that was its moment, I don't believe that it's going to have another moment. I think what we all learned in the pandemic is actually, I don't want to stick my head in a headset that much. I want to go outside. <laughs> but uh, you know, what's interesting is I, I think a lot of people have this like fear of the, of, 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 I mean, there's been plenty of movies and stuff about it. Like you're going to get lost in the world of VR and never be able to come back to reality and stuff. But it's like, it's a headset and maybe it'll promise. get that good. Maybe we'll get to Sword Art Online, right? But like AR is literally reality and you just have to make it look a little different and that will actually fuck your brain up. Like that is, I think, honestly, like cooler, but also scarier that oh, like totally. you, you like because of the way that you can use textures and like real spaces and stuff like you could get to a point where you're like not sure if it's there or not like i mean pokemon go was a thing where you could literally just see the fucking pokemon dancing in your living room right and and technology is just going to get better and better so it's, damn was um, i role playing as a pokemon tamer that whole time <laughs> <laughs> there we go um so uh Tangenting back to something, hand baskets. So you you yeah. you and Aaron are doing this game. Uh, it's got the. Uh, I'm gonna say it wrong because it's not trebuchet. Uh, what oh, is it called? Tetbash. Tetbash. Yep, that is not uh, throwing I, things. That is not a siege engine. You could engine. also just say flipbook. Um, I just when flip I think book. flipbook, I think of the animated books, like the illustrations, right? Like, right? like yeah, like this thing where he goes like that. Yeah. But um, but what is hand basket specifically? Like what is your uh, game? Because we got Intermare brightly from Aaron. Yeah. Yeah. Hand baskets is a it's a it's a I'm calling it a cyber witchcraft blood sport PvP RPG. It's a lot of letters in there. Oh yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, I'm leaning. Uh, it's the it's it's inspired a lot by um, Alice in Borderland and the Mole and and uh, shows that are like those PvP, I guess also Squid Game. It just was less like, that's a good touch point, but it was less a direct inspiration for me. Um, and things like Battle Royale in general. Battle Royale. Genre. Um, and, uh, but with 
because um, it originally started as an adventure that I was going to make for Cyber Metal 2012. And so a lot of it started with similar themes um, about uh, like the barrier between hell and earth being broken. Um, but I am leaning a little bit more into the witchcraft stuff because I was raised Wiccan. And so witchcraft stuff kind of fascinates me. <laughs> Um, yes, I was raised by lesbian witches in the wilderness of British Columbia. It's a wild time. Um, That's an but, amazing uh, backstory, honestly. It's a, you have a life, man. Yeah, you, a can, you really Jeez. can. You can pick up a sword and go and go adventuring with as your backstory. <laughs> it's, a, it's a wild. It's a wild time. I am like I'm not actively Wiccan, and but I do find like witchcraft as a concept really compelling. And I and 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 I think a lot about like what I grew up like doing like I went to witch camp when I was eight which is like this weird thing where they didn't have any like kids activities it was just a lot of women doing a lot of like chanting and ritual in the woods and then the kids had like a babysitter and we just skinny dipped a lot like that's what I remember I what I remember is that like the the central tenets of witchcraft are like nudity and chanting uh which that I can get on board with but I think we all could get on board with that yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but I'm trying to like embrace that more in RPG land. Cause I'm like, Oh, I have all these like touch points and inspirations that I could pull from my like real life. Um, so that plus blood sports is the, uh, is, is the pitch. Uh, that sounds amazing. Um, yeah. what's, <laughs> like, like that one line, I'm just like, you, I don't care what it costs or how long it's going to take to get it. Like I'm going to play this fucking game. Um, what uh, what the, what are the AR aspects that you're you're putting into into Wiccan like which which Bloodsport like um, so the AR stuff is less fully developed because we're going because when I think we're gonna swap games so I'm going to hand it off to Aaron um, and get their hacks of it. Um, as far as like the physical air stuff, air is also a theme in the game. So there's like layers of it or whatever, but, uh, um, but yeah, I'm going to get Aaron to hack it and add probably a bunch of stuff that'll game break. Actually, the game itself really leans into game breaking rules. Um, cause I really like, uh, I really like rules that break games. Like I really like things where people are like, oh, how do I resolve this? And you're like, I don't know, figure it out. What's the fun way to resolve it? Like that's also as a person who often GMs, I find game breaking rules the more compelling moments for me because it's where you get to like do something really unexpected and have a more like traditional player experience. Um, And so I'm hoping that Aaron is probably just going to break it, to be honest. I think Aaron will break it. Even if I didn't want them to, Aaron will break the game through the AR. Um, there are cheat codes already in there. And then Aaron has talked a number of times, but like, we're going to put some, a bunch of cheat codes in the AR stuff. Um, it'll, I think it'll function a lot like alternate and extended rules. Uh, but then every once in a while, uh, I think there will be just a commentary every once in a while. You're going to open up your phone and look at the book and Aaron's going to be like, this game fucking sucks. And that's (laughs) (laughs) just put it, push, put the book down. So it's going to (laughs) say, go outside. (laughs) Uh, very cool. Yeah. That's going to be fucking sick. I'm super stoked for that. Honestly. Um, also, which blood sport where when you get killed, you get re-sleeved into a weird body sounds. I'm I'm there for that, you know. That does that does in fact happen. You can also uh, there's a there's a fun little world mechanic where the more pe- more things die, 
the more likely it is that you can ask the Lords of Hell for help. So there's, you can just kind of like, so ask just like for real something, life. which is a world breaking mechanic. Like you can ask for anything, right? It's just like your Hail Mary, ask for whatever you want. If you fail on your roll, probably you're going to die. Other people Sick. might die with you, but, but death is, I'm, I'm big on the games where death doesn't really matter. Like it changes something. It does something interesting. I think all mechanics should do something interesting to, to the gameplay, but I don't think that death always in like ending a character I don't think death is like a very compelling mechanic in most RPGs. And so I realized that now I keep making it out, making it not matter. So people can like not a thing. lean into really extreme, like, like risky choices that are yeah. cinematic and fun and dramatic and all that. Well, you know, one thing that, you know, all of the SRs um, out there do that I enjoy versus like trad games. And it's come up a bunch of times in like, talking with some other people that are are uh part of our show and the adventure archive and stuff like that um is uh campaign play um and that's fine i ran an evil campaign in 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 mostly fifth edition for like two and a half years it was fun but like there's not a lot of like you could run to a two-year campaign of into the odd or something like that but i don't really feel like a lot of the the more modern games really like there are campaign tools if you want. I don't feel like they really necessarily are designed for that. And also, I'm I I don't have time for that. Like I'm 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 too old. My brain does not work as well. Like there are things that I want to do, which is usually doing nothing, which is also a thing that is just fun to enjoy doing. Um, so the the investment into individual characters is a little bit different when you're not building like a tin page backstory and doing it. But one of the things I did love about Cyber Metal is the concept of just like save points and like you you just go back to where you were for get to where you were and like go on again. And in a death metal battle royale game where you can kind of just basically just like, oops, I got to like, well, I fucked up hard. But the idea that you can, like you said, just go as hard as you absolutely want because you know that you're not going to have to wait like, you know, 30 minutes, like rebuild a character, or do something like that or whatever is such a fun aspect of the more modern versions of play and getting rid of it. Because as you said, it's not as, um, I don't know, thematic, but also, you know, um, there's cooler things you can do than just die, I guess. So it, it's fun to see that in games. And I really enjoy that a lot of that, that you just don't have it in a bunch of your games. I feel like the times that I've had characters die in longer campaign play, it just like doesn't feel good. And like, it's like, I'm attached to this character now. And so why, what, what fun purpose does death on a character that I'm attached to that I've been playing for for a year actually mean? Because I'm here to have fun. And if I would, I as a player would rather keep playing this character than not, then all death is doing is making my day worse, you know? And like, I mean, I feel like it's the thing that like a lot of trad games and a lot of fantasy games just kind of like hold over you the whole time you're playing. And it just like, and it was a big thing for me with himbos was like, I don't think that's a compelling, it's not a compelling knife. Right. Like it's yeah. not like it's not a compelling motivator for play. It's not it's not even compelling really to like try and avoid it all the time. And then it didn't it just it was never a thing that really like inspired me. Um, and I also do not often have time for campaign games anymore. <laughs> um, yeah. I also like playing with new people and different people. And so I'm often playing like one shots. And I think a lot of games are kind of easier for picking that up. I, the couple times that I've gone back and tried to like play a bigger game 
I'm a really big, like, I like to play to figure out who my character is. So I don't do the, like, OC character creation thing. Like, even when playing D&D, even when playing those traditional games, I'm like, I actually really like alignment as a mechanic because it tells me how I'm going to respond in a, in a moment, but it doesn't require me to write a backstory. I can, like, play the backstory as I'm doing it and give me kind of, like, a moral center for a character and then figure out how that applies to whatever puzzle or problem I've been confronted with. Um, and so even if I am playing a campaign play, I'm like, I don't, I don't want to do all that backstory. I want a quick character and then I want to figure out who they are via playing them. Uh, I am always chaotic neutral. Thank you. <laughs> In the chat, like, <laughs> that's, that's, really interesting way to, that's a really interesting way to look at it. Cause I haven't really looked at it. Cause I, I don't like alignment, but I think they're, that that interpretation of it definitely makes me feel differently about it. Um, but I, I also think one of the big differences between trad and like the, the, the newer games, I'll just call them is the, there is like storyteller versus referee, you know? Yeah. And I feel like in trad games, like you need a backstory because you're telling a story and I need to know like all the blah, 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 blah. But I feel like in more modern games, like you're more of a referee. So like, you know, not having to know the story all the time, the emergent gameplay that that comes out of, of of newer games and stuff, where you can just kind of learn your character. And honestly, if they do die, I I'm not as emotionally invested, I guess. But so a lot of the, you know, it's not compelling to die, but also it's just like you're gonna just roll up a quick character anyway. Like why kind of thing? It it feels better. Um, and even as a GM, like I feel better as a referee than a storyteller. So it's it's nice to have that kind of like emergence of your character as opposed to having to write like the number of times I've got a 10 page backstory where it's basically like, I'm the savior of everything. And now I'm a level one character. It's just like, come on, you know, I'd much I've rather got a lot of secret princes, you know, I'm secretly the prince of a all empire. I'm like, ah, oh, come on, man. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I See, like, on so on. I run like a bastards group and we're on a little bit on hiatus right now, but, and like, I encourage them to know that they're going to die. Um, but that, this can might be a little bit longer form than maybe bastards usually played in. So I have like a lot of custom stuff going on, but like for me, I'm just like, Hey guys, just so y'all know, like I have an adventure in hell prepped. So if y'all die and you want your character back or you all die, you're just going to go to hell and get your character back. And they're going to come back and they're going to be weird. Like they're not coming back the way they went in. Um, but if you really like that character, we can get the character back. <laughs> they just might be, you know, gray and have a deeper voice and the scar yeah. and multiple limbs, you know? <laughs> I mean, that's that's the handbaskets way is that you just get sleeved into a body that has weird character traits. Like I yeah. think I put one of them I... as a bog body and bog bodies are a thing that upset me so much. But I was like, no, I'm going to put bog bodies in here. And so there's a chance like one of them is also like is borrowed because I don't know what that means in the context of the game. But it seems fun to me to think about like what happens when the person that your body is borrowed from wants it back. Uh and I feel like, yeah, I don't know. I feel like I think I think death, like traditionally death in games, I feel like is a failure state and it's not a particularly compelling failure state. And it and so it doesn't like because it doesn't really advance you as a player. It can advance the narrative like everybody else can kind of get to to rally around that or whatever. And I think that like a good solution is definitely would you like to go back to hell and pull your body out? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I would do that 100%. Uh, but yeah, I definitely... <laughs> I just I've gotten to this point and and this is largely inspired by a lot of uh, a lot of the reading that Aaron and I do on RTFM but I've gotten to this point where I'm like if you're going to have a mechanic in your game it better impact things meaningfully. And that can be fun. That doesn't it doesn't have to be like heartfelt and emotional meaningfully, right? But like 
if it's gonna exist, make it matter. If death doesn't matter, pull it out. If if stats don't matter, pull them out, right? Like it's like the the formula of this is exactly what a role-playing game looks like, which I realize there are lots of people that are not sticking to that formula, but there are still a lot of people that are sticking to that formula. And it's like if it's not, if it's not gonna meaningfully make a make a difference, um this is uh this is the the my learning of kismet kismet being a game where you just have a central role you have one central thing that you roll all the time and it doesn't hugely change the outcome of the game and that's a very enlightening thing to play it's like you have this game that has 30 different mechanics it doesn't really matter versus this game that has one central mechanic and so probably you should rethink all these 30 million mechanics hmm Right. Now, I, we talked about this a little bit before on stream. And again, and we'll talk about it when we go over himbos. Like, I love games that have enough rules to to guide you, but get out of their own way. You know, I don't need an entire fucking book of procedures. Like, I just need to know, like, a, give me a direction so the referee can um, uh, engage and officiate with intent from the designer. And then we'll figure out the rest of it. You know, and it's yeah. I, I, that's a space that I tried to, to look at from. And, you know, and I think Himbo's does a really fantastic job. And we're going to be talking about that shortly. Um, after after Lorez Futures, is that just the foreseeable future or do you have plans for for what's coming next? Is there something else inside you that you just have to get out or or what's next? Uh, I, I was going to take a break. <laughs> I was going to take a break. I have, um, I'm making, I have for the last year or so been very slowly working on a video game that is just my baby. Um, I have some friends that are working on it with me that are great, but like it's, it, it is the, it is my, my main thing. Um, and so I was going to take a break and work on the video game and try and finish a, uh, actual play test of said video game, um, this summer. And then, Last week, last week, a game overtook me. This game is probably going to come out before Handbaskets because it just came through me. But uh, I was thinking a lot about what what are the like really compelling game moments I've had in the last couple of years. And one of them is this play by post in a Discord uh, game of the aisle. Um, like the whoever made the aisle, whatever. It's a good it's a good little module. Um and playing in Discord was so great. And I was like, why do we not? It was it was super fun. And then it got to the point where it became combat-y and it became this OSR combat, which isn't fun to do over text. Um, and I was like, yes, Luke Gearing. I was like, it's one of those names that are like everybody knows. Um, but uh, yeah, but it that part became not fun. And I was like, but what if I designed a game that was intended? What do games look like if they're intended solely to play over Discord? but potentially with a bunch of different fantasy modules. So I'm I'm so into this idea so far, by the way, just to let you know, like I'm really, really interested in this. I have a lot of discord groups that would actually do this. So I'm, it's become, it's become a very small thing that I think I will pull an SRD out of Like it's become a very like stylized thing. It's become not generic. Uh, it is, I am, there was, this was based on the wet grandpa episode we just did of RTFM, but there's been a lot of conversations about, uh, guys having bad times on boats and so now it's become a sad a sad spooky island game that may or may not end up keeping the name bleak coast but we'll see <laughs> we'll see but i think i want to pull the like i'm trying to design it intentionally so that it kind of has uh an srd that can be pulled out to like design play by post 
specifically over chat messaging, not over mail. That sounds fucking awesome. I'm in. Like, like one of these days, I'll stop nerding out about how to make game, but with this weird technology. <laughs> so one, this apparently is the thing that I'm going to keep doing, and yeah. Hey, listen, so. you have a style, you have a style. So you just keep doing you and we'll keep fucking reading your books and loving them and playing the games. So. Hooray. <laughs> so, um, so speaking of himbos, I think we're actually going to get into reading and reviewing himbos now. Um, where can people find not only himbos, but all of the rest of your content if they're looking for uh, what we're going to be talking about? Yeah, you can find me, I mean, on Twitter at Maxwell Lander and at itch, it's maxwellander.itch.io. It's with two L's, even though there are technically three in my name, it just looked really awkward. And now it's awkward for different reasons, because I have to point it out every time I say it. <laughs> people say Maxwellander and stuff. Listen, yep, I also think you're the first I... creator that's been on our show that actually knew their own itch. They knew their itch, itch uh, yeah. Well, let's do Like, I don't fucking know. <laughs> it's... <laughs> It's just because it's the same thing everywhere, and I have actually thought about legally changing my name to Max Wellander because of this whole debacle that I set myself up with my fucking Twitter account. So listen, you and Aaron both with the branding, just <laughs> like it just will settle on one thing and go forward, or just settle on three things, and then that's just where you have to be. So Aaron's yeah. Twitter and itch pages are different spellings. It's whatever. <laughs> this is fine. We we a, know. Aaron, motherfucking king. E R I N. Like it's just it's it's. We it, we we addressed it on our past episode. Go listen to the the chat with Aaron. Um, it's branding. That's what it is. So listen, Max. Thank you so much for coming on. This has been a fantastic discussion. And Super if, cool if, if you ever want to run those games, or if people play test those games, or have us talk about them again, you are always always welcome, friend of the show, to come back. Um, everything you're doing sounds absolutely fucking amazing, and I'm I'm really excited for where things are gonna what things are coming out um for various reasons so thank you so much for being here we really really appreciate it yeah thanks for having me uh also join the rtfm discord because we do do play tests and try and play games in oh, there but we also definitely. just yell about the games that we talk about if you want if you want the behind the we scenes don't ever do that. that's where it's yeah yeah where listen uh, i will hit you up on discord and we can get that discord link and we will be there am i there already yeah. i feel like i'm in like 80 discords and you just have to mute all of them so maybe i'm you already in there we'll are. maybe I'll, I'll just I'll just tag, I'll at you every time I put a message in Discord. I'm just going to become really go. irritating. Do you remember this Discord exists? I will not mute that ad tag at all. <laughs> but seriously, again, <laughs> thank you so much for being here. Um, if you're listening in the chat, um, stick around. Uh, we're going to actually be reading through Himbos. Um, and if you're listening on YouTube or a podcast, just click the next episode because we will split this in there too. So again, thank you so much. And we will be back shortly. Yeah, thanks for having me.